Hello, and welcome to the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Laura Poco with HFSA, and I'm excited to be your host for today's episode. I'm joined today by Kismet Rasmussen, who has worked as a nurse practitioner for 20 years. She's currently working to improve heart failure outcomes at Intermountain Healthcare's Advanced Heart Failure Program in Salt Lake City, Utah. Kismet is going to be talking with us today about how patients living with heart failure can have successful virtual visits with their doctors. Welcome, Kismet. Well, thanks, Laura. I'm really happy to be here today. I really appreciate this opportunity. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I have been a nurse practitioner for over 20 years, specifically 20 years with the Heart Failure Clinic at Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City. I've actually had a a unique role in being able to help the Intermountain Healthcare System work through improving processes of care for patients with heart failure. For example, one of the things that I've been working on recently has been getting our team and our patients prepared for these kinds of video visits. We're here today to talk about virtual visits, so let's start out with the basics. Can you tell us a little bit more about what they are? Yeah, virtual visits are such a good way for patients to connect with clinicians, actually as a substitute or alternative for an in-person visit. You know, this time where we've had the stay-home orders during the COVID pandemic, It's really allowed us to stay connected to our patients real time through these virtual visits. We actually are able to use audio video capable devices that patients have in their home, like a laptop or a tablet or a smartphone, whatever their technology is, so that they can see us and we can hear them and we can have that visit together. As you mentioned, we're hearing a lot about them these days, but have they always been around or are they something new? Virtual visits are not exactly new. They've been in use before the COVID pandemic, but really the degree to which they've been used across the country has been variable. The VA system or the Veterans Affairs Health System has actually been a great example of successfully doing video visits in nearly 100,000 veterans. What they've been able to show is that video visits are successful, they can save time and money, and that patients like them. So that's been a really great example to learn from. Some heart failure clinics across the country haven't really used video visits until more recently with this pandemic. And what the pandemic has allowed for are these clinics to quickly implement video visits as a strategy to see patients in their home. And that's safer. It reduces patients and people's exposure to each other in our hospitals and clinics. And by having these video visits and keeping patients at home, it allows us to continue to monitor them and continue to provide their care. And that's the hopes that we will avoid patients getting sicker, that they will actually come to the hospital and decompensated heart failure, and it will reduce their possible admissions and emergency visits. You mentioned a lot about time and money and keeping patients safe. Are there any other benefits that patients experience with virtual visits? Yeah, I really want to emphasize again, it really allows us to keep patients safe and decrease their exposure so that we can do the video visit from home. It actually, there are some, I think, unintended consequences of having a visit in a patient's home. And and that is Oftentimes, the patient feels more comfortable because they're at home. 
They may feel more comfortable in sharing important discussions with their clinician who's doing the visit with them. We actually can see important opportunities to have advanced care planning discussions, for example, where things are in an uncertain time and how can we have important discussions with the patient to really understand what their wishes are in the situation if things turn critical for them. We want to know what their wishes are so that we can carry those out. The video visits also really just do provide access to care also. It helps us stay in touch with these patients because they're not coming into clinic doesn't mean that we can't stay in touch with them. And so that is such an important thing in in overall chronic heart failure care with the goal of keeping our patients stable and addressing their symptoms as best we can over the phone and keeping them feeling as safe and as good as they possibly can in their home setting. How can a patient prepare for their first virtual visit and even others going forward? Is there anything that needs to happen before the visit? I mean, what about even just scheduling the visit? That's such an important part of this to really have a successful video visit. There actually needs to be some thoughtful planning before the visit happens. The first thing is, does the patient have the technology in their home and do they know how to use it? Do they have a smartphone, tablet, computer, email, and can they negotiate through that to actually connect to the visit? So that's the first step. The second is is really scheduling and consenting the patient for the visit. And that's an important thing that, that we really need to have their consent that they agree to participating in a video visit. There are approved applications that different healthcare systems are using for video visits, But with this COVID pandemic, the use of different applications have actually been broadened and restrictions have been eased so that we can use platforms like FaceTime and others to easily connect with patients. And so we need to ask their consent for using these applications that previously had not really been considered to be fully safe in terms of protecting their private information. But we're using them now in the COVID pandemic because we want to have that access to patients. So that's an important part. And then depending on the technology that you'll be using for the video visit, they need to be able to download maybe an app or access their email to connect into the application so that they can start the visit. So that's kind of the the pre-planning. The next is actually right before the visit, it's helpful for the patient to get organized to prepare for the actual visit. And that is to have their recent vital signs in front of them that, you know, maybe their diary with their trends of their vital signs and their records. It's helpful to have their medications in front of them and their bottles so that we can share and look at the bottles together in the visit. It's also helpful to have them with, have a list of questions or concerns that they want to discuss and to actually maybe have a family member or significant other that's living with them present so that they can participate in the visit as well. Then there are other logistical things like, is the room well lit? Do you have the TV or radio off? Maybe the dog in a different room, those kinds of things. You know, it's all really important, but I I think fundamentally so much of this is let's use the technology to connect to our patients much as we do in person. So it sounds like a very individualized approach. And 
even that you're you're facing the issues we're all facing these days with pets in the room or a kid that runs out from behind you. And so we've talked about what happens to set up a visit. Would you mind walking us through the actual visit? Yeah. The first thing that is important during a video visit is to actually confirm connection to the patients. And in our early days of starting these video visits with patients, to actually see the patient on the video was a huge success. And, you know, I'd been known to go around to the clinic saying, Houston, we have contact. Because when you actually can see the patient that way, it's been a new thing for us. And to, to have the, the connection work, the audiovisual work is really remarkable. But again, then it's orienting the patient to, is this your first video visit and outline how the visit will go. And this is where we want to keep in mind that most of this does mirror what we've done in person with visits. The flow will include, let's check in, introduce ourselves if we've not met before, ask how things are going broadly during these precarious times, and then get into reviewing vital signs and medications, signs and symptoms, other concerns, other visits that they may have had, and then what our plan will be if medication changes are needed, if testing is needed, if an in-person visit is needed, what our next steps are, and to really wrap that up. Now, the interesting thing with these video visits is actually including a physical examination, which some might wonder, well, how do you do that over a video? But actually, in seeing somebody over a video, we are able to do a physical examination. We can see, are they in distress with breathing or with conversation? We can even check for something called bendopnea, and that is, does a patient get short of breath with bending over? So we can ask a patient to bend over and see how they feel with that. We can look at their neck veins, which those patients in heart failure know that we're always looking at their neck to see if there is distension of their jugular vein that suggests that they're retaining extra fluid. Even in some patients, we can have them direct the camera to their legs so we can see if they have lower extremity edema. So it's, it's really a different way of doing what we do in person. The important thing in these visits is to really make sure that we continue our education, that we use teach back. Hey, did you understand what we just talked about, what the plan is? You tell me what you understand a plan is so we can confirm that they understand it. We want to send them materials if they need more educational materials, possibly a new medication list. And we can do that in a variety of ways. We can do that in their health portal, by email, or even by regular mail. And then you want to confirm the follow-up plan for the next visit. When and is it going to be another video visit or possibly a phone call follow-up or in person? When that will be, what kind of tests or labs or possible referrals would be included in that? And so it's, again, mirroring what we do in person but it's using the technology to connect with the patient and helping to guide them through what that visit is like is really helpful, especially if it's their first time. Mm. Wow, that's fascinating that you're able to do the physical examination and still get a lot of the same elements that you you get in a face-to-face visit. That's just fascinating. So I am a bit curious about the challenges proposed by virtual visits. 
What about people with poor internet access or people who struggle with technology? Yeah, that is definitely a concern. And and the reality of doing virtual visits is that there are some people that do have poor internet access or spotty internet access, where we've had some visits that have started and then the screen freezes. And whether that's the application or the internet access, sometimes it's hard to actually know, but we need to be able to troubleshoot through some of those issues. And sometimes when we struggle, we have to actually convert to a phone visit. Or if we're using the application that is approved by our institution and something happens, we may be able to convert to either a Skype or a different form of like a doximity visit where we can connect with the patient. So we just try to remain flexible with those challenges and work through, is it a technology challenge? Is it a patient-facing challenge? And sometimes we will call the patient over the phone and we'll guide them through how they can use the technology. We've actually had some video visits with patients from their car where the lighting hasn't been ideal So I think really, like I had mentioned, preparing the patient as best we can before the visit with expectations is is really helpful. The reality, though, is that there's nothing like an in-person examination. We can do only so much through the video. And, you know, we do really like to, we rely on our neck vein assessment for understanding if they're in a congested state or retaining fluid state. We do have opportunities with some monitoring devices like cardiomems or other monitoring devices that can let us know if they have issues with fluid retention. But that is one of the challenges of a video visit. So I think, you know, overall it increases our access, but not everybody has the technology and not everybody has the internet. And so what concerns me is that we actually are missing out on having important visits with patients that we can't connect to, and they don't have that kind of access. Mm. So Kismet, have these virtual visits become the new norm for people living with heart failure? And what can we expect in the future? You know, that's such an important question and, and something that we've been talking about, whether we will go back to our old ways, pre-COVID ways, or what the future will look like. And I think that this is establishing a new norm I think that having the ability to connect with patients in a way that makes sense for them so that we can evaluate them, we can provide them with the best care and move their treatment plan moving forward can include a variety of types of visits, in-person, telephone, video visits, what have you. But I think that what we want to do is really reduce the burden to patients with heart failure. We want to have them be able to access appropriate and timely care. And we want to be able to do this in a very meaningful way. So I think that we're in a new era of heart failure care where these video visits provide us with an innovative way of thinking about care. It clearly requires team buy-in of all the members of the heart failure team and really paying attention to a strategy so that this can be successful but it is successful. And and we've been able to show in a short timeframe that implementing this fairly quickly has really been beneficial to our patients. The exciting thing, I think, too, in, in what's the future 
is really thinking about other technology options, other innovations, that there are some strategies out there that are on the market now that are an example is a, a patch that a patient can wear that allows us to hear their heart and lung sounds that can be added into the video visit. So, you know, there are other other ways of thinking about how can we include clips of the video visit into our documentation and into the medical record so that it's really captured well as we move forward. So I think that it's an exciting time for us to think about heart failure care in the future and, and where we go. And certainly this provides us with some real ripe study opportunities to understand the impact that this has on heart failure patients. Is this truly beneficial like what was seen in the VA studies? What have we learned in terms of the lessons? How do we optimize this? And where do we go even further in the future? So it is part of our new normal and part of our repertoire in terms of how we care for patients with chronic heart failure. Wow, that is all really exciting. So it sounds like there is some good things coming on the horizon Kismet, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. I hope that this is helpful to our patients, and I'm really honored to have been invited to participate. Thank you. From all of us here on the HFSA team, we hope that you're all staying healthy and safe out there. We also hope that you'll listen to this great advice you heard right here today and start having even better virtual visits with your care team. To find more resources related to heart failure, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's website at hfsa.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. Thanks for listening.